You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us today for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing nitrous oxide oxygen delivery systems. Our guest is Leanne Kiefer, an expert in the field of infection control and a noted international speaker and dental hygienist. She serves on various foundation and publication boards in the U.S. and Canada and is on the editorial review board for OSAP. Leanne is currently the director of education for Crosstex International. Leanne, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Phil, it's always a pleasure to be here, and we hope to raise people's level of awareness on nitrous oxide oxygen sedation. Yeah, and that's why you're here. So so what are the main components for nitrous oxide oxygen delivery? Well, and I think we need to take into consideration the office space itself, Phil, because some offices or a new build may decide to put in a central system where all of the canisters um, are actually in a, a room and then there's it's piped into each individual treatment room. But for many offices, they don't have that luxury of space. And so the option for them is a portable unit on a yoke stand that can be easily transported from you know, treatment room to treatment room that has the canisters for nitrous and oxide and oxygen and also you know the flow meter and then all the the tubing that's required that's exactly what i had in my office when i practiced it was wheeled around from one operatory to the other it worked great um you saw the canisters there and uh the, the different you knew, you knew by color what they were and Absolutely. it was it was uh very convenient the more sophisticated offices i should say had the built-in systems where it would, you didn't see anything except the mask just fell right on the patient's face and boom, you were ready to go. So, And I think you, that's one of the choices that we have to make when we're considering how nitrous oxide fits into our practice is, you know, how frequently are we using it? Because if it's something that's going to be used in the, you know, the dental chair as well as the dental hygiene chair, and yes, Phil, we are seeing it used more in dental hygiene practice. Um, if many practitioners and many patients are going to, to have benefit from the nitrous oxide oxygen sedation, then a central unit may be, you know, the best option. Also realize that the cost per use with using the larger canisters as opposed to using the smaller canisters that are attached to the yoke, there's about a three times difference in cost. So they've got to evaluate it over a period of time based on their use and their office design. Yeah, I mean, that would be the first thing. Yeah, the central unit, obviously, that you're purchasing in more volume, a greater volume at a time. So the, right. price, the price will go down. Um, so what's the difference between patient demand and positive flow delivery systems? I think it's important, Phil, that I, I give a couple other equipment things before we go into that because it will help to differentiate. You know, we know that we do have a flow meter regardless of which system you use. And all that does, I shouldn't say all, what that does is it indicates the amount of gas that's being delivered to the patient. And one of the most important, important features on those flow meters, whether they're digital or analog, is that they now have a, an important feature that's a fail-safe feature. And this means that if the oxygen level should fall below 30%, the nitrous cannot be delivered because of this fail-safe feature. And the nitrous stops. This is considered standard of care fill. And so I bring this up in case any of our listeners might have had, you know, a unit from way back when and they had it stored in the closet somewhere 
and they've decided to you know bring it back out and and start using it with patients they want to make sure that it does have that fail safe mechanism on the flow meter okay yeah that's um, peace of mind right there it's a lot of peace exactly of mind. Yeah. um the next important piece we think about is the reservoir bag and the reservoir bag is going to be used when we have a patient demand system that we'll talk about in a little bit more detail. But there's three things that I want to share with our listeners, Phil, that that reservoir bag does. Um, the reservoir bag is sort of a source of additional gas because as the patient is breathing, you know, the flow of the, the gases is continuous. But depending upon how much the patient is breathing, what their liters per minute, that reservoir bag will contain the excess flow or if the patient needs you know takes a deeper breath it's there for the patient demand so to speak the other thing is that bag gives us a visual way to monitor our patient's breathing we can see the respiration rate because obviously the bag expands and contracts and we can also determine if we're delivering too high of a flow rate too many liters per minute because when that bag sort of you know extends like a balloon we know that it's overinflated, we have excess gas, and we need to change the flow rate. So that's another function of that reservoir bag. And last but not least, while, like we said, this is the safest drug in the world to use, um, in a case of emergency, that reservoir bag can be used as a, um, a positive pressure um, device to deliver O2 to the patient. So there's that, and then we talk about the nasal, uh, or the face mask um, at the end. But I just want to get you those those two different things in mind to think about before we get into patient demand versus positive flow. Yeah, no, that was very, very well said. And that does give us a clear understanding of the, of the architecture of how these systems work. Um, so now getting back to that question, patient demand, positive flow, what are the differences and uh, how does it affect the systems that the doctor purchases? The different systems have to do with a difference in is the reservoir bag present or not? So with a patient demand system, the reservoir bag is present. With a positive flow system, the reservoir bag is not present. So there's a different connection. And the units, if you have a unit with a, a reservoir bag, there are different connectors that can be um, brought in to adapt your system. But with the patient demand, which is the most common one that we think of, Again, remember, I said the gases are constantly flowing, right? Patient demand is designed to match the patient's method of breathing. And with this, there's no wasted gas and there's no inhalation of room air because, you know, the mask is well sealed. This type of a system requires larger tubing because of the way it delivers um, the flow of the gas. And that's with all our traditional masks that we're used to seeing. You know, they, they, they bump up off of the nose, you know, a couple inches or so, and they extend, you know, to the side of the patient's nose. Recently, there have been some low-profile mask delivery systems. And the difference with that is the patient gets their additional, any additional oxygen actually through the vents in the mask. So it allows in room air. And because there is no reservoir bag, the gas is constantly flowing and it's being picked up on the scavenging side of the mask. So it goes across the nose and then into the scavenger system. When the room air can be brought in, it can dilute the concentration of the gases. And when that happens, sometimes they have to raise the level of the nitrogen, nitrous oxide percentage, in order to get the result 
um, that we're looking for for the, the patient. You know, so it may be higher than the 70% um, of the nitrous. The advantage with the low profile fill, as I mean, as an endodontist, you can appreciate this. If you're not having to work around a mask that sits up off the patient's nose, but it's basically almost flush with the patient's face, it usually, it also has much smaller tubing so that it fits closely around the patient's face. Think of it almost like a bolo. Do you remember that term, the bolo uh, neckties? Yes, yes. Okay. And so it snugs this to the patient's face so the patient can easily turn, you know, side to side. The patient doesn't feel as encumbered by the large tubing, the four large tubes that come down. Um, so it's just a difference in choice of delivery. Um, better access to the oral cavity, increased patient uh, comfort due to, the due to the design. As a clinician, how do I choose which system is right for, for both the patient and for my office? I think it depends upon um, how patients are reacting. If you have a cooperative patient and, you know, you like having that reservoir bag because you can watch the breathing, you can monitor, that makes you feel more comfortable as a clinician, then by all means. You know, you can use the, the patient demand. If I have a three-year-old who's squirmy and they tend not to sit very still and, you know, you want to try and, and make it through the appointment as easy as possible, something that is not as, as intrusive that still you can titrate um, and you can monitor to the point where these low-profile masks are clear. I mean, they tend to be translucent or clear rather than the opaque as the other masks tend to be. And so some report that you can see condensation as the patient's breathing, you know, that you can monitor. So I think it has to do with patient uh, preference, patient cooperation, and what, as a clinician, you feel most confident in delivery. Is there a more popular system over the other? Is, is patient demand more popular than positive flow? Or? I think it's a matter of, you know, we talk about when new technology comes out, we have those clinicians who are the early adopters, and we have those that are more slow to adapt to new technology. So the, the patient demand is the most, I would say, prevalent at this point because the low-profile positive flow systems are relatively new to the industry. So it's going to take people a while to figure out which works best in their hands. So let me ask you this. What differences do you think doctors will see in the administration technique when switching from patient demand to a positive flow system? Okay, so the big one is obviously no reservoir bag because it's a different type of delivery. Again, they may need to increase the total flow um, of the nitrous oxide depending upon how the patient responds. So it seems to me that just based on your description of all this, the low profile mask is just a huge advantage from the standpoint of working on the patient as the dentist, you know, from the dentist perspective. And I think what's important, Phil, is it gives us options. You know, we're seeing an increased use of nitrous oxide oxygen sedation in dentistry again. And now we have better technology, more patient options that meet the needs both for the clinician and for the patient. What other tips can you uh, recommend for efficient delivery of nitrous oxide oxygen sedation in the office? You know, we always want to start our patient with um, straight oxygen, sort of to, you know, clear the system 100% oxygen. It doesn't have to be for a long time, but you want to get them with oxygen first. Then you want to begin to titrate the level of nitrous for the patient. And one of the things I would really discourage clinicians from doing, Phil, and I think this is sort of a an old 
practice is they would write down at one appointment, you know, what was the percentage of nitrous and oxygen that they used successfully for that patient. You don't want to assume on another given day that the patient's going to respond to that same level because there could be other things in their system that may be different. So each time we have to titrate based on what that patient, how that patient presents that day. And again, we have to monitor. Um, some offices are choosing to use a pulse oximeter that you know helps to monitor um, heart rate, um, o, you know, O2 that type. We're also looking at the AAPD, the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, has been talking for the past few years that you know we may see a time soon where capnography, CO2 monitoring, is going to be part of best practice, um, at least within the um, pediatric patient community. It's not yet been passed as a standard, but you need to make sure if you're thinking about you know that type of safety technique, make sure the masks that you're the masks that you're looking at are able to have the capnography device attached to the nasal mask. So just something to think about, um, so that we're monitoring our patient. And then always, you know, you want to end the nitrous delivery about five minutes before the procedure is going to be finished, having the patient on pure O2 so that, um, you know, it's going to be that rapid elimination, rapid recovery. Yeah, I think monitoring the patient's O2 level or CO2 level is really an excellent uh, procedure to follow when, when administering nitrous oxide oxygen sedation. We didn't do it in the, day when, in the days when I practiced. Um, and by the way, we did write in the chart what the percentage of nitrous <laughs> was and oxygen. We, yeah, we would very often it was 70-30, but uh, that's interesting, you know, that it does vary from, the, from one visit to another depending on what's in their system and what's going on. Yeah, Just I mean, either. what their medication is, what they, you know, what kind of stress levels, right, you know. Stress levels. Exactly, exactly. So to wrap up this podcast, which has been very interesting, you talked about it already, so it's it's kind of a redundant question to some extent. How do we ensure safe delivery, really safe delivery, day in and day out of nitrous oxide oxygen sedation? I think it's being diligent, Phil. And sometimes when we see a piece of equipment in our office, it's there every day, we become somewhat complacent. We need to check, just like we're going to monitor the levels of amalgam in our amalgam separators, or we're going to monitor the level of CFU count in our water lines, we need to monitor our scavenging circuits, you know, to make sure that those connections are solid. You know, you can do something as simple as, you know, put some soap and water, or I've heard some offices are actually using Windex, and they spray it at the connection, and you're looking, if you see bubbles, you're obviously having gas escape, and you don't want gas escaping into the room from the connections. So making sure that your equipment, that you don't have any punctures or, you know, um, cracks in the hose. The other thing is, if you are using a reservoir bag system, Take a look at the bag. I mean, actually, you know, open it up so that you can see all the creases, especially if you're in a room that is one of those, you know, sort of creates the ambiance and you've got sunlight in the room. Sunlight can be damaging to those reservoir bags and it can dry them out. So you've got to look for cracks, tears and punctures. I think that you have to make sure that you have an emergency O2 preparation. What is it? That, how is it you're going to deliver you know, the O2? Do you have the capability in each room? How do you get that positive pressure delivery? Are you going to be using a resuscitation bag? Does everybody know how to properly use it? So going through training you know, a couple times a year with your staff, I think, is very important. Yeah, those are great safety tips, Leanne. Uh, and the tip about putting the soapy water on the on the tubing, that guy, whoever, or that person, whoever recommended that probably was fixing flat tires at one time in their career, because that's exactly, 
how you uh, find out where the leak is. You know, you put the soapy water on and then the bubbles start coming out and that's how they find the leak. But um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not sure. And you could also, obviously, the service techs are a great resource. You know, having somebody come out and do an annual check um, on your on your equipment and also a lot of the equipment reps for the different distributors are also, you know, they have a few um, skill sets that they can share on doing some observation. So if you need to have, but if you need to have calibration or you need to have something done to the unit itself, obviously you need a qualified uh, professional to do that. Yeah. Very, very good uh, podcast today. You did mention something about dental hygiene, the dental hygiene hmm. departments using it. Is that something that's becoming more prevalent now in, in dentistry, having dental hygienists administer nitrous? And I can say this anecdotally, Phil, from the, you know, I talk to hygienists all the time when I'm at lectures and things. And with the increased number of dental hygienists that the states are now, um, they're a license to be able to give local anesthesia. There are hygienists that are using nitrous just during the local anesthesia phase of the appointment because for some patients, the most anxious part is that fear of the needle. And so if they can use that nitrous even for the very beginning of the appointment, get them through the local anesthesia, they can take the nitrous off and do the rest of the treatment. They don't have to use it the whole time. I mean, so we have to think about customization. How do we best meet that patient's need? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Again, another great podcast, Leanne. Thank you so much for your time. And um, we're going to do more podcasts in the future, I would think, Leanne, since these have been Absolutely. So yeah, so we look forward to having you on again for more great stuff. Well, from Crosstex Accutron, we just like to say no one knows delivery like we do, Phil. Thanks so much, Leanne. We'll talk to you soon. 